Welcome to Growing Your Financial Advisor Practice Podcast by Snap Projections, episode 29. I'm your host, Pavel Bramensky, and my goal is to interview experts to provide you with insights, strategies, and actionable tactics that you can start applying to grow your financial advisor practice today. For more information, head over to snapprojections.com slash podcast. Now, let's introduce today's featured guest. Today's guest is Chris Reynolds. Chris is a co-founder, president, and CEO of Investment Planning Council. With over 25 years in the business, Chris dedicates much of his time engaging one-on-one with today's advisor entrepreneur, sharing first-hand knowledge and insights into how they can build better business. He has led IPC to become one of the fastest-growing independent wealth management companies in Canada. Together with the rest of IPC's leadership team, Chris has steered the growth of the firm to over 700 advisors and more than 27 billion assets under administration. Chris has spoken at numerous national conferences, including Advocates and the Canadian Association of Financial Planning. He has taught courses and held workshops on financial planning, retirement planning, tax strategies, and portfolio development to many of the largest corporations and organizations in Canada, including Goodyear, Nabisco, the federal government, Monsanto, and Sun Microsystems. Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Chris, I'm very excited to have you on, so let's dive right in. So tell me about your firm. What do you do? Who do you serve? Well, Investment Planning Council has been around now since 94. And back then, I was a financial advisor. I started as an advisor, loved being an advisor. And we founded the company under pretty simple principles. And those principles were we were going to help advisors build a better business. And that was our focal point, because one of the things that we found as an organization was that advisors are very good at giving advice. They're very good at one-on-one. But the challenge becomes there's an entire business that surrounds the process of wealth management, from processes to design of presentations to clients to how to hire assistants, how to get the most out of their staff, how to create leverage in their business, how to simplify their offering, how to create a client experience. So these are all the things that IPC became dedicated to. And so from there, you know, really our humble beginnings were there were seven of us when we started. We left the various firms that we were with. And more or less, we grew, you know, almost one at a time in the beginning, just bringing on other advisors who were attracted to the model of, you know, providing a great client experience. Then we found other companies that were like ours. They were ran by entrepreneurial advisors, other dealerships, and we began to get them to merge with us. So we would, they would sell to us. We would give them shares in our company. We continued to grow, and that, that growth just continued over the years to, as I said, where we are now, which is uh, north of $27 billion of uh, client money, uh, representing about 300,000 Canadians. That's a massive scale, of course. So I'm glad you started talking about your early days because I always like to go back to that. Like, so if you if you were going to take me back to your early days, like, what made you become an advisor in the first place? Well, that's an interesting story. So I grew up on a farm. My father trained racehorses. So I grew up thinking work was getting up at you know five in the morning, uh, mucking stalls, looking after horses. And as I got to my teen years, I'm like, this is the worst job ever. (laughs) And there was this guy that used to hang around the barn all the time. And he owned a couple other horses. He, you know, drove a Mercedes. He had a phone way before anyone had a phone. He had one of those Zach Morris big phones. 
He, you know, lived in his big house and he never seemed to, to work. He was always hanging around the farm. And so one day I remember going and asking him, what do you do for a living? And he said, I'm a financial advisor. And I'm like, I don't know what that is, but that's what I'm going to be. And sure enough, from that point on, I started reading books about investing and wealth management and financial planning and literally anything I could get my hands on. And then I got out of school and I saw this little ad that said, financial planning assistant wanted. And I was like, financial planner, that's what I want to be. I don't want to work on a farm. And I applied. And it was actually an insurance sales or it was actually Empire Life uh, I went to work with. Uh-huh. And it started as uh, somebody's assistant and got my licenses. And after I got my license, started seeing clients. And as they say, the rest is history from there. Yes. Okay. Excellent. So this is just an incredible story. And I love to talk about with uh, advisors, entrepreneurs, and especially you, you have the opportunity to go start as an advisor, build massive, uh, very successful organization. So this is this is very interesting. So, so you mentioned wealth management. So of course, you have a lot of experience in the business. How do you think overall about wealth management? And uh, I want to go back and I, actually, I want to talk about some of the processes and systems that I know you've implemented at IPC. We'll get to that in a second, but just overall, if on a high level, you know, like why does the business really exist? Why does the work matter? How do you think about wealth management from the advisor, from the client perspective too? Well, my personal view is wealth management and financial planning is one of the most critical services that can be provided to consumers. If you have a good financial advisor, it can make all the difference in your life. If you have a bad one, it can also make all the difference in your life, but in a negative way. I feel it's a very noble profession where you're guiding people through the ups and downs of, of not just the market, but of life. There are so many things to keep a track of, so many things to take into consideration throughout the movements of, of people's lives, whether it's buying their first home, whether it's you know when they have their children, how do they protect those children? How do they save for their education? How do they make sure that they have enough money for retirement? How do they know how to put their money into work as opposed to just having it in you know, the bank? To me, it's one of the most critical services that there is out there. And I would put it up there with you know, doctor and dentist and financial advisor, the three things, the three musts in everybody's life. Because if you have a bad in any one of those three areas, it can also have a very adverse effect on your long-term you know, well-being. Absolutely. Okay. And that's great. Okay. Perfect. I agree with that as well. So let's talk about some of the process that you've implemented at IPC. And this is really what I really want to talk about in, in the first place, but I think we're ready for it. So you mentioned earlier, advisors are really good for uh, with, you know, just one-on-one client interactions, relationships, but there's a lot of process and, you know, and uh, you have a system that you've developed over many years. Can you tell me a little bit more about the system? Sure. Well, the, the, the system that we've developed at uh, Investment Planning Council is the total client experience. And it goes back to you know, the original premise and founding of the organization, which is helping advisors build a better business. And I spent a lot of my time studying what makes businesses great. And one of the primary things that makes businesses great is not just the product itself, which of course you know, has to be good in the marketplace and has to be well-priced within the marketplace. But what makes a business great is the experience that the client has 
with that business. And so what we've tried to do as an organization is look at the best practices. In other words, what are the best ways to interact with clients? What's the best way you know, to gather the right information so that you can do the best job? What's the right way to put together a structured financial roadmap so they know what to do, when to do it, how to do it, what's expected of them, what's expected of the firm, how to follow up. And of course, one of the other big areas that we focus on is client communications. You know, one of the biggest complaints that consumers have about financial advisors, and in fact, the number one reason cited why a client will switch advisors is because of lack of contact, mm-hmm. uh, lack of communication. So we put a lot of emphasis on how our advisors communicate with their clients, how regularly they communicate, but also what are the types of communication that they have with their clients and how can we make that more specific to that client situation so that they get the most benefit from it. And so all of this is systemized in an electronic format that all of our advisors can utilize right across Canada. Perfect. Okay. So I have a couple of questions about development of the process because that sounds like a it's a big undertaking. Like you're really analyzing what makes businesses great and how to really distill this to the essence for the advisors. So how did you go about developing this process? And I'm sure you've been an advisor, of course, so you've, you have your own view and, and on work, what works, what doesn't. But have you talked with the top advisors in, in, the, in the industry? Have you looked at what they're doing? Maybe looked at other, other companies as well, even outside of financial services industry. How did you put this all together? Actually, everything that you said is pretty well the process that we went through. You know, I, I myself as an advisor, you know, I would say, you know, I did, did pretty good. But one of the things that, you know, I spend a lot of time with is I tell people I'm a great thief. I don't know if I've had too many original ideas, but I know when I see a good idea and have it implemented into our own business. So we spent a lot of time talking, to your point, with the most successful advisors. And luckily, IPC has some of the most successful advisors in all of Canada. In fact, I would say IPC has some of the most successful advisors in the entire industry. So that is great for us because we can learn what works and what doesn't. We spent a lot of time looking at other, not just in Canada, but around the world and some of the best practices that advisors utilize with their clients and try to use those. But also, to your point, it's also good to look outside industries. So, you know, our team, for example, went to the Disney University to learn how Disney interacts with their customers and the things that they do going over and above the call of duty and how Disney has created such a great consumer brand around the client experience. So, you know, certainly a lot of things that we've learned from them. We actually had one of the Disney University instructors come and speak to our advisors several times, actually, on some of the ways to interact with clients and some of the success stories of them. And putting in those contacts, advisors really understand why the experience is so important, as well as giving great advice. It's always the unspoken, but you're supposed to give great advice to clients. But if you can combine that great advice with a great experience, that's what puts you ahead of everyone else. 100%. You need to provide value, right? So you need to generate results for clients. So, And I'm really glad you mentioned Disney. I actually know a couple of stories about other companies looking at their experience as well. So that's that's phenomenal. Okay, so let's drill down a little bit. So what would you say would be ideal client for this process? And of course, there are different segments within the market. I mean, there's this mass affluent segment, there's high net worth segment, ultra high net worth segment. We'll talk about in a second how the industry is evolving as well, What how the expectations of clients will change are changing over time. But what would you say would be the ideal 
a kind of client for the total client experience process? Well, the best client is not necessarily to do with value of their investments or anything of that nature, although you know, the, the more money they have to invest, probably the better from a financial advice point of view. But I would say it's more geared toward by, to clients who are actually engaged in the process. In other words, there's certain clients who really take financial planning seriously. They really engage with their advisor. They value advice. They value the ongoing communication. Those advisors, those types of clients would thrive in this particular environment. There's other types of clients who look at their interaction with their advisors as a transaction. You know, a once a year, I'm going to maximize my RSP. They're not necessarily engaged in the financial planning process and or they just really want investment advice. They don't really care about all the other things around that. Those are the clients who probably don't take to it quite as well. I'm sure everybody likes a better experience. But it's not, it's not their first and foremost thought. The clients who really thrive in our system are clients who are really take financial planning seriously and really want to build wealth. Those are the ones who really, I guess, drive you know, through this, this total client experience. The other area that we tend to do a lot of work in is what I call the sudden money crowd. You know, there's a, there's a big demographic right now that is coming into wealth, whether it's through inheritances, through people selling businesses. Because we're so across Canada, a lot of the rural clients would be selling farms or just recently we had a client that sold a, a chicken quota for $10 million. So those types of clients also, you know, now that they have this large sum of money, really appreciate the hands-on, you know, full service, full engagement, full communication type of service that, uh, that our advisors would offer. Excellent. That makes a lot of sense. All right. So let's switch gears to advisors. So I'd like to know also from the perspective of an advisor, let's say there's a, an advisor looking to uh, maybe implement this, this program. What would be sort of the ideal stage for of advisor's business to start implementing this? Is this a person that, I don't know, it's uh, let's just starting the business or maybe, I don't know, a couple of years in the business, let's say two, five years in the business. Or, or more even established advisor, maybe they have a different process. What would you say would be, would be I guess, the, the good point to start for advisors to start implementing this process? Well, for the most part, IPC is only veteran advisors. In other words, we don't actually have a rookie program per se. So in other words, all advise, the average tenure of one of our advisors is over 12 years. So we don't really have per se, a, a rookie-type program. All of our advisors are veterans. So it's usually the advisors who implement it are usually the ones who just want to bring their business to another level. In other words, what happens is they tend to peak. In other words, there's so many. There's only so many clients they can service. There's only so many assets that they can minister. And they want to take their business to the next level. Those are the types of advisors who find this type of service very handy. The other that we've seen the more phenomenon in the last five years is where a more senior veteran advisor wants to bring their children into the business. So they want to do a succession plan with their clients, with either kids or a junior advisor. So they would then implement these types of processes, which we can assist them with, so that the business is easier to pass on to their successors or, you know, in some kind of succession plan with their children, that kind of thing. So those, 
those we're seeing a lot of success with in, in recent years. Excellent. Okay. I'm glad you clarified that. So let's focus a little bit more on the process itself. And I, I had a glimpse into it. I'll tell you that because I was very curious to take a look at a little bit of the process before before we spoke. But so so there was a lot of there was a lot of systemization. There were a lot of you know, scripts, like for example, phone scripts, letters, all the way from the first appointment to follow-ups estate planning, tax planning, risk management review, and so on. But if you were going to, for example, I don't know, share some secrets with us, with the listeners, let's say, I'll always like to look at the 80-20. So, you know, how advisors can put 20% effort to get 80% results. Like when you look at the whole process and the whole uh, process around total client experience, what would be really the most important part around that? So so that uh, maybe would be the first part for new advisors who are not familiar with the process, they would be, they would want to start implementing their businesses. That's an excellent, excellent question. And that's one of the things that we do. We have you know, TCE Lite, which is the implementation one. And then as you continue down the path, then we go into the more advanced type of uh, TCE. But in Lite, you know, the main tools that work exceptionally well, in my opinion, are, you know, the, the initial appointment. In other words, if I was a consumer and I was looking for financial advice, there was actually an article written and there's 22 questions you should ask an advisor before you would engage that advisor to give you advice. And I think that's just you know common sense. Before somebody is going to give me advice, I want to know that they know what they're doing and how it's going to work. And so you know, for advisors to answer all 22 questions prior to clients asking them, I think is a very good means of differentiating yourself from other advisors. So that that tends to be like the the basis of the entire program going forward. And then in my view, and again, it's my opinion, is advisors sometimes spend far too much time talking and not nearly enough time listening. So part of the whole TCE is the question questionnaire process, which really gets to know the client. So it's not what would be considered the basic know your client or KYC information. This gets into great detail about what we call return on life, not just you know what investments they have and what risk tolerance and that kind of thing. It's really what are their plans for their kids? What are their plans for their estate? What are their future plans? Where do they plan to retire? What does it look like to them? Who do they know who has retired? You know, what do they like about what they've done? What do they not like what they've done? It, it's really much more detailed into why somebody would engage in the process of wealth management. And then there's what we call the discovery letter, which is the summary of all of those things sent back to the clients. In other words, <clears throat> the advisor should very clearly articulate, I've heard you, this is what you want, and therefore this is how I can help you. And then the, the last piece that is, that is critical is what I call their philosophy. In other words, what is the advisor or the, the potential client buying into? So in other words, you should have a very, in my opinion, a very specific portfolio management philosophy that that client is buying into. Because if you don't have alignment in that philosophy, in other words, if they want something from if they're transactional and you believe in you know, long-term asset allocation, that relationship is never going to work. So establish that early and establish that they fit into the type of client that you want in your practice. And if you can do those things, that's the very basic. There's lots of other stuff that goes around that, but those things, if established properly, really make the difference in a long-term practice. 
I'm glad you broke this down. So there's four elements here. What I've captured, initial appointment is critical. Those 20 questions are super important. Less talking, more listening, discovery letter, and, and investment philosophy. So this is great. So another question around the whole process. The industry is changing. And one advisor actually told me just a couple of weeks ago that he probably has you know more change in the last three years than the last 30 years in the, in the industry. And he might be right. I don't know. But how do you see those expectations on clients evolve over those years? Because I'm sure, I mean, you have to keep the total client experience program updated, right? So you have to know how those expectations are, are evolving over the years. What do you think about that? Like, how, how do you develop? I, I think that's an excellent question because it is evolving. And it's something that we as an organization, certainly as an executive team, and even more as a CEO, this is where I sit and gaze across the, uh, you know, the water thinking about on a regular basis is what changes do need to take place to remain relevant to clients because nowadays it's not just about being competitive, it's being relevant. There's many industries that have really ceased to exist because they stopped being relevant to what clients needed. We can all think of many, many industries that this has happened. And so our focal point is now what we call the digital experience. So how can we match up the digital client experience that clients have come to experience you know, almost expect it's almost a baseline with the financial industry because the financial industry, in my opinion, is still very old school in its interaction, especially digital interaction for the most part with clients. So, how do you make their you know web experience better? How do you make their online reporting experience better? How do you you know move into the modern age of digital onboarding and digital signatures? So, all of those things are what we're focusing on now and making that experience better. I think nothing will ever replace the relationship that a client has with a trusted advisor, but anything you can do to enhance that relationship you know, is only going to make us more competitive going forward. Absolutely. And also, what's really important about technology, since you started talking about digital experience, is that, I mean, technology really helps to drive efficiency, right, in a predictable way. So you can really improve the business. And I'm sure from your CEO standpoint, you look at the business and you see, well, what are the 20% in my business that I can move to get the 80% results? And I think that the focus on, on technology, I guess, is going to be huge going forward. So in terms of your tool sets, I'm actually curious because there's a lot of, of course, scripts that are sort of letters, maybe they're tool agnostic, but in terms of helping advisors implement some of the workflows, do you have a technology stack that is underpinning total client experience or advisors can basically pick any sort of tool set that they can go and implement? Like, for example, I don't know, CRM, or maybe you have a couple of options. How does this work for people? Because I'm asking for, from the perspective, if I'm an advisor for, let's say, 15 years and I used you know, certain tool sets, I'm really attracted maybe to the, to the total client experience process, but I don't want to maybe change my tool sets to implement something that I'm completely unfamiliar with because that's not going to be super efficient, at least in the short term in my business. Yeah, and it's an excellent point. And, and as a result, and our, our work with advisors, they feel very much the same way. So some are just in love with what they've developed over a long period of time. And that's why the TCE, for the most part, is in template form. So you can take those templates, personalize them to your own practice and implement them into your own, in in this case, CRM, if you wish. If you want to take off the shelf, we do have vendors that we work with that we have implemented parts of the TCE into, as well as financial planning software, as well as 
you know, progress reviews and follow-ups, other vendors where we would use as it relates to ongoing communication, e-newsletters, websites, all of those are available, already pre-done, pre-loaded, ready to go. But that's not necessary for implementation. If you really love your own vendor, as it relates to, again, CRM is something that people seem to be in love with. Nope, just take the templates and implement them on your own. Or, you know, there are various opinions on the financial planning software that is available in the marketplace. We have a vendor that we actually, we have two vendors that we work with, but you can work with any vendor and it'll work. As long as you're actually doing the financial plan, that's the most important thing. Which one it is, that's subjective and open to opinion. Excellent. So you're flexible in that regard, to some, to some extent at least. Very much. But the work, the, the heavy lifting would have to be then done by the individual advisor when it comes to utilizing other suppliers or vendors other than the ones that we use. In other words, we're not going to do it 20 times. We'll certainly provide you with all the tools that you could implement. Yeah. And I, of course, have a lot of other questions around the program, but I have other questions too. But just the last question maybe about teleclient experience. How, how long does it take for an advisor to implement this program? Let's say, or you know, whether it's the TCE Lite initially or, or the full program. Do you have any stats on that? Do you have any data on that that you can share? Well, the the test or what we, what we recommend as a test is once the initial... TCE Lite is implemented, that you take 50 clients through the process. And the reason for that, the reason we recommend this is it takes about 50 clients just to perfect the process, perfect the, you know, what you're going to say, when you're going to say it, sort of that power of habit. And so from the start of implementation and getting all the templates and then taking 50 clients through it, on average for our advisors, takes about a year to 18 months. Okay, okay. So it's a, it's a little bit of a commitment, one, one year to 18 months. But of course, if you're ready to commit, then you will see the results later on. Absolutely. It is, it is a revamping of your business. Now, if you have already you know, implemented or have a, an, an experience and we're just supplementing it, it can t- be a lot quicker. But this is from you know, dead stop to, this, to a full-blown process implemented and all of your staff comfortable with it usually takes a, you know, at least a year commitment. Perfect. Okay. Thanks for clarifying that. Okay. So let's change gears a little bit. Let's talk about consumers right now. And like, what do you think on a high level, what, what is the most misunderstood when it comes to wealth management right now? Well, most people confuse wealth management with investments. And I don't think they're necessarily the same thing. And the investment and portfolio management is certainly an overall aspect of wealth management and financial planning, but it's not the only one. It's not one-dimensional. So in my opinion, investments are important, but really the most important part of an investment portfolio is having an investment philosophy and sticking to it. You know, we've seen more damage because people jump from one hot item to another hot item, or they buy high and they sell low. You know, we say it all the time. There's a reason Warren Buffett has been the most successful investor of all time. And the reason is he has one philosophy and he's stuck to it for 60 years. And so, you know, as a result of that, he's been extremely successful. So the misunderstanding is that everything is about the buying and selling of different investments. And I say that that is usually counter to wealth, not, not helpful. Real wealth management is looking at all aspects of your finance, from debt reduction to looking, you know, what is the most tax-effective way to set up which program, how much to put in your RSP versus TFSA, how much to put into an RESP, how to take advantage of these vehicles, 
what your asset allocation model is, how it is doing next to the market, looking at estate planning and risk management, you know, what would happen if you had a critical illness? What would that do to your financial plan? What would happen if you were disabled? What would that do to your financial plan? So wealth management, as I said, is not one dimensional. And the myth is it's just investments when it's not. It should be every aspect of, and it's ongoing. There's no such thing as a static financial plan. That plan should change with every new event in somebody's life, they should really redo their financial plan and how this new event has occurred in people's lives. And as you know, people are dynamic now. They're, you know, they're getting divorced, they're getting remarried, they get inheritances. Like there's, there's a lot going on that needs to be tracked as part of an overall wealth management plan. Excellent. So I know you spend quite a bit of time with one-on-one with advisors. So I'm curious, maybe you could share a couple more tips. Like what, what are the top advisors right now are doing right now? Like, of course, beyond what everything, what you just said, but you know, is there anything, anything specific that you, when you see, when you see this, I don't know, this top, top 5% of advisors right now in, in the Canadian market, like what are you to do? So maybe you can share a couple of tips for you know younger people, for advisors who are just starting right now, they're building their practices. Well, let me tell you, I'll share a story of one of our most successful advisors because, you know, certainly I'm like, was looking at how well they were doing in, in new new clients joining them and, and their the growth of their business had been double digit for five years in a row. After a, a, a period of, I'm going to say, you know, sort of static growth within their business. And so I asked him the question, what are you doing that is different? And he says, I'll tell you what I'm doing. I'm actually talking to my clients. And I'm like, well, everybody talks to their clients. He's like, no, what I do is every week I have to call randomly for clients and just ask them how they're doing. Has nothing to do with business, has nothing to do with anything that's going on in the markets or anything. I just call them up, ask them how they're doing and if there's anything that they could help them with. And they started to implement this, this practice of calling four clients every week, just four, not a lot. And if they called the four by Thursday, they could take Friday off. But if they hadn't called the four by Thursday, they'd have to come in on Friday to call the four clients. (laughs) When they implemented this, that particular advisor saw his business go up by 33% that year. Wow. So in my view, it still comes down to the same thing. Personal contact trumps everything. I like the gamification aspect that you just mentioned about taking Friday off, right? Because it's not about just even controlling, of course, uh, managing client behavior, which you mentioned earlier too, but it's, you know, how do you motivate yourself as an advisor as well? Okay, so let's go back and, and talk about, I guess, on the flip side. So what, what do you find advisors find the most difficult right now in advising clients these days, 2019 Canada? Yeah, I think, I think the, the advisors who are having the most difficulty in, a, in this environment are the ones whose sole value proposition was geared around investment returns and or price. Because both of those are commoditized items. In other words, somebody is always outperforming you or somebody's always a lower price than you. Always. And so if your value proposition to your clients is, I'm going to get you the best return and you don't, that will be a difficult year for you. If your value proposition is, I'm going to lower your you know, fees of wealth management 
and you do, but then somebody else comes along that's even lower, once again, you have failed in your value proposition. And I think there's lots of that going on right now. And it's, uh, you know, partly due to social media, partly due to, you know, the, the, the search for value. But neither one is a, is a sustainable business. You can't always have the best returns year after year. It's just not possible. And you can't have the lowest price year after year. And you especially can't have the best returns on the lowest price year after year. So all of those, I feel, are failed business models in the wealth management area. And yet in 2019, more and more advisors seem to be gravitating in, you know, in these, down these two paths. And I'd say long term, I would see that as a big mistake. Okay, so I'm going to ask another question here, just to think back on the first one. So where do you see the biggest opportunity? And of course, financial planning became really, or is becoming really the table stakes sort of, right? Here in, in Canada, probably. But is there something else? Like, where do you see the biggest opportunity for advisors? If you are going to start over right now, what would you do as an advisor? Well, I would, again, the, the specific demographic, which I would focus on is, as I mentioned earlier, is there is a huge opportunity in what we would uh, call, again, the sudden money crowd, which is, it is estimated that $1.4 trillion of wealth will move from one generation to another generation in Canada over the next 15 years. That's a lot of money. And on top of that, you have not not just inheritances, successful in building a great company, and now are in a position where they want to retire, they liquidate their company or sell it and come out with huge sums of cash that they have a very difficult time knowing how to allocate properly to meet their needs going forward. So if I was an advisor today, I think that by far is the biggest sum of money who needs what I have to offer. And what I have to offer is great financial advice and guidance through throughout that process but also a methodology to maintain communication and, and progress on a go-forward basis. In other words, that can't be replicated by a computer or a robot. That type of thing can't be replicated through low price or promise of performance. That is holistic financial advice for a demographic that truly needs it. Makes a lot of sense. Okay, so a couple of questions just before we wrap here. So what are some of the projects that you're most excited about in your business? Just this, whether it's next you know, six months or 12 months this year, what's happening for you? Well, our team is, is very, very focused right now on making IPC easy to do business with. So the team is excited about you know, the projects, as I said, is how do we up our digital experience? How do we move to electronic onboarding, uh, digital signatures, how do we create a client portal so that uh, we have a methodology of communicating in real time with our clients with information that is about their portfolio, not generic economic type of information about how their portfolio is doing and reacting to things in the marketplace. How do we more incorporate the holistic financial planning into a digital environment. So that, that by far is taking up most of the team's focus this year. On top of that, and so we're rolling that out in what we call our TCE 3.0. So we hope to have those things rolled out throughout the year to really, we have a big conference for our advisors in September 
so that in September, we're all ready to have everybody start to implement these things into their own practices. Because as I said, they think that we are very, very good at the client relationship and the one-on-one and all of those things. Where we need to get better at is the digital experience that clients have. That sounds very exciting. Lots of uh, great projects. So Chris, this podcast is all about growing your practice. And I heard, uh, I already asked you about a lot of uh, wisdom, but uh, do you have any parting uh, words of wisdom for the listeners? If you're going to focus on one thing, what would that be? Well, as I said, I can't stress enough that if you look at great companies, whether it's Disney, Starbucks, you know, an Apple store, you know, any of the companies that you can name that have been great over a long period of time, the one commonality they have is they have thought through and made great, or Four Seasons, that's another one I use a lot, the Four Seasons Hotel, they have made great the client interaction. So they have taken a business that otherwise would have been commoditized, and the hotel industry is a great one for that. Every hotel sells basically the same commodity, a bed, a room, a bathroom, and yet Four Seasons is able to charge a huge premium because of the experience that they have developed for their clients. And I would say the same thing with our business. It's one thing to sell the commodity. It's a whole other thing to create an experience that can't be replicated. So focus on that. Client experience. Excellent. No taken. Okay, excellent. Chris, you have a lot of projects on the go, a lot of exciting things going on. If anyone wants to get a hold of you, how would they do that? What's the best way to reach you? Well, like everybody, the best way is through email. So my email is crenolds, R-E-Y-N-O-L-D-S, at ipcc.ca. Or, of course, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm pretty active. Well, my people are anyhow. I look like I'm active, but on LinkedIn and I'm available there. And certainly I am open to answering any questions that anyone had, anyone that's starting in the business and wants some advice. You know, one of the things I enjoy more than anything is mentoring people and how to be successful. Wonderful. Thank you very much for that, Chris. Chris, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank you. It's been great. And that's it for this episode. If you have any questions, shoot us an email at podcast at snapprojections.com. And if you're enjoying the show and want more of the amazing guests sharing incredibly valuable knowledge, head over to iTunes and leave us a great review, which helps us get discovered. Thanks, and we'll see you next time.